Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast with Ray Ferraro. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on iTunes, any kind of podcast. You get it on Stitcher as well, the Stitcher app, and uh, get it on Pulp MX, or Pulp MX, PulpHockey.com. Also, the the, uh, the show's on there, of course. With me to talk about the playoffs that are coming up. Very exciting. The regular season is over. Things are getting intense now. Uh, NHT, uh, former NHLer, 18 years in the game, and TSN's lead analyst, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you? Uh, your first time doing this? I know, right? I don't know. Man, like you were butchering that. That's I'm just tough. rattled after. <laughs> I'm rattled after the the game. I thought we had the sends. Thought it was happening. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Oh. I mean, what are you going to do? I, you know what? Um, it is. It does suck. I want to see Battle of Ontario, but I've said it all along. Even missing the playoffs, I would be perfectly fine with this season. You know, but I like that. Yeah. But the thing is, now that you're kind of here. You know, like you you want, like I get it, like you want it to be as good as possible. And as good as possible would have been avoiding Washington yes. in the first round. But it's been a phenomenal year. And, you know, I, I was talking to Cammy and uh, my wife, and so yesterday I was like, you know, I'm not a fan of anybody. You know, as, right. as you know, we yep. talk, you know, I, I just, I don't know, I through playing and then broadcasting, I just, there's no team I really cheer for. But it's really cool to see how excited people were Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Like when they showed the shots of them outside the ACC. Like it's one thing to be in it. You know, you're in the rink and you're in the group and it's fun and exciting and loud. But outside, people are, you know, are screaming and they're just so pumped. And, you know, Maple Leaf Square is going to be a circus yep. for the games. And, um, and it's going to be like that in a lot of places, too. Like the Oilers haven't been in the playoffs in forever, I mean, they're they are, and not only are they in it, they've got they're pretty good. Yeah, you know, like they they could. Like they are, I'm, I'm going to say I don't think Toronto can win the first round. Edmonton can win their round. Oh yeah, and that city's going to go crazy. When when I look at the playoffs, unfortunately, the Leafs Capitals is the only series where I could be like, I don't think the Leafs are going to win. Every other series, the lower seed can win. Absolutely. It's great. Well, when you, when you look at the lower seeds, in a lot of cases, they're only a few points mm-hmm. away from the, the team that they're playing, the higher seed. Yeah. Because parity is, so, is what it is. I mean, but Toronto's almost 20 points behind uh, Washington. You know, Washington is a, Washington's a hell of a team. They're the, I, think they, I think they're the best team. I picked them uh, really the only team I picked before the year that I think I'm still proud of my pick uh-huh. all the rest. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just guessing anyway, but like what, where's Washington's weakness? Like if somebody gets hurt, yeah, it's like they've got somebody else there to fill. And so I, I think it's going to be a tough series for Toronto, but I, I am with what you said earlier on that it's, um, it's really been an amazing season. I mean, from, 
you know, Matthews, Matthews to you know, Marner's electricity 40, 40 and Nylander's consistency. Yeah. It's, it's guy after guy after guy mm-hmm. on that team. Now, you know, Frederick Anderson's health is a big deal. Nikita Zaitsev's health is a big deal. And if either of them aren't able to play, it's mm-hmm. a, you know, I mean, Anderson would be a colossal loss for yeah. him. And Zaitsev would be whatever's just under colossal. Absolutely. Uh, before we get too far into the predictions and, and give it, you're giving us your predictions for these series. Darren Pang is going to be on, former NHL goaltender, St. Louis Blues, color analyst. From... Wins. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, and you and Panger go way back, so we're ha- I'm pumped to have him on. He's a great guy. Panger is a is an awesome guy. He's uh, he's one of the most positive, energetic guys I've ever been around. I just. You know, we play a lot of golf together. Uh, mm-hmm. We go on. Go- we've been on several golf trips together. He is just, he is just a, a hilarious guy to be around, and he's a hell of a golfer too. He's about a two handicap. He's good. Uh, speaking of golf, Sergio Garcia finally caught the monkey off his back. I'm not a huge golf guy, but uh, I tweeted this <laughs> out yesterday that I I did want Sergio to win. Now in my in my career, my real job. Everybody loves Ricky Fowler because he's into motocross and supercross, and he comes to the races, and he's friends with a bunch of racers. So my whole community I was in was cheering hard for Ricky Fowler. But I liked I liked Sergio Garcia's story. I mean, he came in. He's, he was, in hockey terms, a number one draft pick that never quite panned out. And finally, he did it. Well, I mean, that was 74, tournament, 74 majors without a win. Mm-hmm. And so the... You know, I mean, there's a reason you don't win after a while. It's you're not good enough, <laughs> except he is good enough. And everybody, you know, I mean, it was his putting that in most cases would let him down. And when you think of it, you know, I, I, you know, some people just throw out the number, you know, 74. That's 20 years. Yeah. You know, like there's only four a year. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. And, you, you know, I mean, after a while, you just. You just can't win. And so when he missed that little six-footer on 18 to win, I'm like, oh, not again. Yeah. You know, so I, my seven-year-old had a tee ball, well, had his first uh, game they're using. They're gone from tee ball into, like, this pitching machine thing uh, for baseball. Oh, so never heard of that. Three blocks from okay. the park, from yeah. our house. Mm-hmm. So I watched him in the first inning. He he got up to bat, he hit the ball, he caught a ball in the field, and I said to Cammie, they're tied on 17, i got to go home. i got to go. So I race home, I watch, he misses the putt on 18, I go back down, as I'm running up to the field, I hear the coach, Reese, you're up. So I didn't miss a thing. <laughs> oh, nice. He gets up, he hits the ball, he goes, I said to Cam, she's like, I can't believe you made that. I go, yeah, they're going into a playoff, i got to go back. So I go back home. <laughs> And I watch the playoff. The tournament's over. I run back. Man, Reese is coming up again. I didn't miss a thing. They were in the nice. field for two hours. <laughs> I was there for like 16 minutes. I saw him hit three times oh. and field the ground ball. It was a perfect day. Yeah, perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, news that just broke this morning, too. We'll, we'll touch on that. Uh, Vancouver, Willie Desjardins, they let him go. Uh, does this mean Travis Green maybe gets a shot? Of course, he coaches the farm team in Utica. Um, he will get the. I mean, he will get an interview for sure yep. and be right at the top of their list. The yep. only, I would say, the only thing that could complicate uh, Travis being hired, and 
Um, and he's done an amazing job in Utica and the American League with no players for three years. I mean, the Canucks system was just completely barren, and they were mm-hmm. trying to rebuild it and replenish it, and then they had a whole bunch of injuries this year. And so all those guys that might have been in Utica were yeah. here. Yeah. In Vancouver, and so, but the complicating factor would be a, a guy like Lindy Ruff that was fired in Dallas, you know, earlier in the week. Would they or Gerard Gallant? Like, would they who was fired in November? Would those guys be candidates here in Vancouver? And so, I, you know, I would think Travis is at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, you're also you got to think if you're Jim Benning, um, you've hired one coach and you've just had to fire him. If, um. If you hire another one yeah. and Travis doesn't have any NHL experience and this doesn't work out, you know, you're going with the coach. <laughs> right, right, right. This so is it's very a, important. This is a, right. The first coach, I think there's pressure to hire, mm-hmm. but it's not job security pressure. Yep. This is job security pressure. Right, right. Um, and also, too, Lindy Ruff let go, as you mentioned. That's another um, another deal. But uh, I think Hitch ends up there. We'll ask Panger about it, but uh, I think Hitch ends up there. I really do. The Kamloops Blazer connection as well. So, well, the, the and again, the thing I would say about Hitch is that you know um, he wears teams out a yep. little bit, mm-hmm. and he's sixty-five. So there's there's no surprises for Hitch. Yeah, you know, I mean, like you you're hiring an absolute known quantity, and you have to be comfortable that that's what you're doing. He's smart. He's um, He's always been a um, a real tactician, but you have to decide: is that is that exactly what you want? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is that what you want? And right. and that's that will be up to Jim Neal. All right, let's get into the playoff predictions from Ray Ferraro. Uh, all right, so Caps, Leafs. You like the Caps, but you got to give us the games. What do you think? Does the oh, Leafs? So you want me to go games too? Do the eh? Leafs push it to? Do they push it to six? Um, do they push it to six? Uh, no. No. Do they I think it's five. Yep. Um, and, and I, you know, and I, and I think that, you know, five games is, you know, that makes it sound like, oh, they just got blown out of the water. I don't think they're going to get blown out of the water. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I think now, again, like we said, McElhaney and Zeitz have really, um, really paid play key parts in this like if neither of them are playing it might be faster than five yeah anderson you meant you said mcelaney is this oh, i'm sorry yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. if mcelaney's got to go in we have a problem right, right. i mean because Ander- but anderson yeah. is their most valuable player to me yeah this year yeah i agree i think he's had an amazing year yep. so but i'm gonna say five washington too experienced too deep mm-hmm. um they've been there too many times so I'm, I'm gonna give them five all right uh penguins uh blue jackets uh real close throughout uh um, the whole season long, and they met a couple years ago in a wildly entertaining first round. That was great. I hope to see that again. What do you think? I, 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 I hope it's the same series as it was a couple of years ago. Because yeah. you're right, it was. It was great. It was the best series. It was. Right. It was just. It was up on two wheels from the first face off. <laughs> now Columbus hasn't played well coming into the playoffs. Pittsburgh's had no players because they've all been hurt. Mm-hmm. Yet they've kind of hung in there and and had done what they needed to do. I don't really know why, but I'm going to pick Columbus. Interesting. In I'm, I'm going to say in six games, mm-hmm. uh, Bobrovsky has had a uh, – I think he's going to win the Vezina. And um, he's had an amazing year. Now, you've got Matt Murray at the other end, um, who's you know won a Stanley Cup. Certainly Bobrovsky hasn't done that. But 
I do. I don't know why. I mean, Columbus is so much more inexperienced. Mm-hmm. You know, Pittsburgh's been through these wars many times, and, um, and certainly, you know, they all they won last year. But I just something tells me that it's going to be it's going to be Columbus, and I'm going to say six games. They win the sixth game at home to wrap it up. Well, Chris Letang, remember last year it seemed like he never got off the ice. He was so huge for them, and yeah. you know now he's out. And so, yeah, it's, it's, that's, a, that's a big blow because I, I don't know if I could name all six guys that Pittsburgh puts out on their D. Yeah, you, they're, you could, they're going to have to. Well, they're going to get lucky a little bit because it looks like Trevor Daly and Ole Matta will be back, okay. but they haven't played very much. Yep, yep. And so, you know, that not only are they coming back off an injury, but they're coming back and trying to catch the speed of of what the playoffs are going to yep. be like. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a big deal. I really do. And and I just I, something tells me that the, you know, that that Columbus is going to win this series. I, and I, I, I would say, Steve, in most of these series, you know, you look at them and you can build a case for either. Yeah. Yeah. But we got to pick somebody, so I'm going to sure. pick Columbus. Um, you have the fortunate uh, uh, task of calling the uh, Rangers uh, Hab series on NBC Sports. Um, that's awesome. That's going to be great. I'll be able to uh, watch you and Gordon Miller down here in the U.S. Um, and also, yeah, that, is gonna, that. that is going to be a great series. Who do you like? This is, uh, of the series, you know, of the many series that are toss-ups, uh, this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Montreal in seven games. Um, I'm not going to pick against Carey Price. Yeah. And he's had a better year than Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, the Rangers' defense can be a little susceptible to speed. Uh, the Canadians have some of that. Um, you know, a real, a real key figure in this series is going to be Alex Galchenyuk. Today at practice, he's, he's practicing on the fourth line. For Claude Julian, yeah. I mean, he's had a, a rotten second half of the year since he came yeah. back from a knee injury. He just hasn't had it, and um, and I'm really interested in um, what he'll be able to do. But I I think this is a low scoring, tightly played, really cool series between two yeah. original six teams. But I'm going to go with Montreal in seven games. And I saw Lundqvist. His career number is in Montreal. Not so good. I don't know how much that means, but yeah. You know what? It's it's funny. Sometimes I don't. You know, I, I don't think it means too much. Like, uh-huh. Calgary hasn't won in Anaheim in about, I think, yeah. 26 games. Right. To me, that doesn't matter because most of these players have only been there for three of the games. What yeah. happened 22 games ago yeah. uh, doesn't, doesn't have any – they didn't even wear the same jerseys yeah. 22 games ago. Yeah. But when a player struggles in a place year after year after year, as Lundquist has, um, yeah. I, I think it they're, they're, for whatever reason – there's something to it, and so I'm I'm going to take, uh, you know, but I'm going to take Montreal just on the basis of the extra home game. I think. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a great series. Uh, to tie into that, uh, Ray, we got an email from a guy named Mats. He's a New York Rangers fan in Paris. He has two questions for you, Ray. This is the good. What food does Ray like? This because I work in the media center at the IIHF World Championships here in Paris as a volunteer, and I can whip up a dinner at my house for him and Gord should they get fed up with hotel restaurant food. He goes to say, knowing how frugal Gord is and the Paris restaurant prices, this may be a good idea. Well, it will be a good idea. I, I'm almost certain Gord will, Gord will. have his uh, credit card sewn into his jacket again. Right, right. Where you just can't get it out. Um, but I'm I'm curious. I've never been to Paris, yep. and um, I'm you know I'm interested in trying. You know the yeah. I guess the local the, the, cuisine, but yeah. their but their cuisine, which is 
you know, I'm more simple though. Like I'm not big on all the sauces, and I think I'm going to have a little bit of an issue with that. Yeah, I've been to Paris. Oh, I bet you 20 times. That's probably the most the city I visited most outside in North America. So, uh, yeah, I can volunteer that the food. I'm not a huge fan of it. So, like I'm Italian. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm you know, it's it, it, I love chicken parm. I love <laughs> but I love simple. You know, I, I love fresh yeah. stuff. That's right. I, you know, that's that's my favorite. Uh, yeah, because for people who don't know, the World Championships are in uh, France and Germany, and you and Gord are going to head over there in about a month. So, yep, May second, we're on the way. All right, all right. Uh, his name is Ignam, Ingmar, Ingmar, not Mats. It was Ig- I don't know Ingmar. Ingmar? Yeah, Ing- Ingmar. So, all right. Yeah, bring some food for Gord for sure. All right, yeah. moving on. Um, Sens Bruins. Um, can we talk about Brad Marchant real quick? Like. This is his fourth suspension. He he just speared that guy from Tampa Bay. We we saw the slew foot a few years ago. Stop it, Brad Marchand. Stop it. Yeah, I don't know why he can't. I I would. I wonder if like when the moments get big, he gets so tied up and stuff that his emotion gets the better part of him. Yet he goes to the World Cup and he was brilliant in it. He's a he's a fabulous player. Um, Boston got extremely lucky here because yeah. He got suspended for the last two games of the year, and he they easily could have been playing Washington. Yeah. And they if Toronto picks up a point, oh, they play yeah. Washington, and they lose in the first round. And I would be, if I were the owner, I would be mighty pissed if that were the case. Now they've, you know, I mean, they're at least a 50-50 chance here against Ottawa. I mean, the two teams play really tight, mm-hmm. tightly contested games. Ottawa has played very well in Boston over the last few years. And, um, and now Boston has a couple injuries on the blue line that, in my opinion, are going to tip the balance um, of the series. They don't, doesn't look like they're going to have Tory Krug, which is a huge loss mm-hmm. for them. No power play quarterback. That's a 50 point defenseman and Brandon Carlo, their young defenseman who did so well in his rookie year played alongside Zdeno Chara. Um, it doesn't look like he's ready after Ovechkin stapled him late in the year. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. So uh, I, I think those two injuries um, overload Boston a bit. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to take, take Ottawa in yeah. seven games here. And Carlson's going to be okay? Carlson's going to be okay. Yeah. They, you know, they're saying, I mean, yeah. here's the thing. You're going into a series, you're picking a team or, you know, you're, hey, this is who I think is going to win. And a lot of times you're, you're dealing with Baghdad Bob information dealer, <laughs> right. right? Like you're not getting, you're not getting the goods here, but Carlson, they say is ready to go and he will yeah. play. And if he does play, which we expect him to, yeah. that's, uh, you know, um, that's, what that's about 30 minutes a night of, of excellent, excellent play. Does McAvoy draw in for the Bruins in? Well, I don't know. It would be really tough to drop him in, um, right away. Um, he's only played a couple of pro games. I, I think they would probably go to a more veteran guy first, but mm-hmm. they like the right-left combination. They do have, on the right side, they have Kevin Miller and Colin Miller. Um, you, know, could they, you know, could they use Joe Morrow again? Yeah. Maybe. Um, McAvoy would be an interesting choice. But I, I would say Kevin Miller will probably move up and play with Chara in their top pair. And, you know, he's a far different player um, than Brandon Carlo. All right, so Sens and seven. Um, seven. Seven for Sens. Blackhawks Predators on the on in the West. Um, I think a fast, tight. Um, I, I think a good series. 
but I think Chicago's going to win. I, there's something too erratic about Nashville. Mm-hmm. I guess we're going to see here. You know, we've been waiting all year to declare a winner in the Weber-Suban trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Suban has had just an okay year. From mm-hmm. everybody I talked to when I went down there to do that Leaf game two weeks ago, the only thing I could get was, yeah, he's been okay. Well, we'll see what he is in this playoff because they need him. And so I'm, I'm going to take the Blackhawks in six. Uh this is interesting, and we'll talk a little bit of Panger about this. The the Wild and the Blues. Um, of course, Mike, th- look, I think I'm a believer, like, in football, if a coach faces his old team, he knows the strengths, he can play, he can, he can play, uh, program, play, uh, what am I looking for? He can, he can, uh, pl- uh, Oh, he can detail their game plan. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm lost right now, right? But okay, so yeah. if you have, I'm football. I'm a believer in that. That it does matter. It does help. Now, Mike Yo, of course, coached the Wild for years, a couple years, and uh, now he's the coach of the Blues. Does that help? Uh, I don't think so. No, because now they're they're two coaches later from Mike. Yeah, because John Torchetti took over and finished the year out last year. Then they hired Bruce Boudreaux. And so it's, it's a whole new system. But Mike has coached against Bruce for years because when Mike was in, Saint, uh, when Mike was in Minnesota, uh-huh. Bruce Boudreaux was in, was in Anaheim. So you would assume most of the systems came sure. with Bruce from Anaheim to, yep. to Minnesota. Um, I, and football is, you know, football is such a strategic game where hockey, yes, there's strategy, mm-hmm. but there's not really that much different team to team. Everybody does it a little bit different. Now, the, the advantage for, for Yo might be that um, he knows which guy's buttons you can push, um, you know, who might take an undisciplined penalty, and, and that yeah. might be a help. Sure. Um, but I, I think this is a really evenly matched series, and I hope it doesn't get here because I, I think Bruce's face would be as red as <laughs> red can be. But I think it's going to go back to Game 7 in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And Boudreaux has never won a Game 7. And he's going to need to pick a goalie, too, maybe. Maybe you have to make a choice. Maybe somewhere along no, the line. I hope not. But, yeah. but not only has he not won a Game 7, he's not won one at home. No. And he's had it about five years in a row. Yeah. I think this goes to Game 7, and I think Minnesota wins Game 7. There we go. Uh, Ducks, Flames, this one might be one also I'm going to keep an eye on. I really like what the Flames did late in the year. And, of course, the Ducks also came on well. Uh, Who gets the start for Ducks? Do we know? Uh, I don't think we know. And we do know they don't have Cam Fowler. Yep, true. Um, I still think Anaheim's going to win, and I think it is. this is going to be the most physical of the series. I, I think we I think we might see crazy it is no Boudreaux in Anaheim and here they are back to a goaltending choice again but yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be John Gibson yep and um, I think they're going to win in seven I think this is a really tight series as well Oilers San Jose I I'm I'm not the hockey expert here but I don't see how the Sharks can pull this off Oilers got all the momentum right now they're looking great Sharks got some injuries. What do you think? I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I've got I've got Edmonton in six. Um, I you know I inexperienced, sure. Connor McDavid, sure. Um, you know Cam Talbot in goal. Martin Jones has struggled down yep. the stretch for for San Jose. Uh, the injuries to Couture and uh, and Joe Thornton are are enormous. Even if they come back and play and sort of kinda. Yeah, yep. they're not going to feel very comfortable. I don't think either of them. Uh, I think Edmonton wins their first playoff series in their first appearance in ten years. 
Connor McDavid, 100 points. We didn't have a 50-goal yeah, score. Good for him. It's good we got to see points. somebody with triple digits. <laughs> I know. Thank I God. It. I wish we had a 50-goal score, too, but I guess you can't, you can't Yeah, beg. I guess we can't beg, but, man, that would no. be great. All right, Ray. Well, hey, let's move right into uh, Darren Pang uh, and uh, talk, about, talk to him a little bit more about the Wild uh, St. Louis series. And, uh, yeah, we'll move into Darren Pang and uh, hope you guys enjoy this. And now, as promised, former NHL goaltender and now the analyst for the St. Louis Blues for many years, uh, Darren Pang. What's up, Panger? How are you? And thank you for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm just, uh, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm recovering from a, uh, trying to broadcast a hockey game on a Sunday at 5 o'clock in St. Louis, have my iPad between the benches, and watch Sergio nail it down. So, uh, um, it was that was a, that was the most interesting broadcast day of my career. And who schedules a hockey game at five o'clock on Masters Sunday? <laughs> hey Panger, we had uh, one year in LA. We played Masters Sunday. It was the year Greg Norman uh, collapsed, and uh, we were in Colorado. And we went out for warm up, and everybody was talking about it on the ice. I mean, the game didn't mean anything, so everybody's talking. Oh my God, do you see what Norman's doing? He hit it in the water here, and guys were leaving with like eight minutes left in warm up. <laughs> Go watch. Like nobody, everybody was doing what you were doing, except we didn't have iPads in, or we would have had one at center ice. Yeah, really. <laughs> the referees and linesmen were leaning putt? over. Hey, what's that? Did you think he was going to make the first putt? Garcia? Uh, no, and I didn't think he was going to make the next one either. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Man, oh, man. It was, That's... It, was, it was good having the linesman, and, you know, our trainer for the Blues, Bert Godin, it was good having the linesman at every stoppage come over, lean over like they were getting water, and they were trying to look and get an update. <laughs> and uh, Bert, the trainer, looking over our shoulders. Uh, Kelly Chase doing radio beside me, and he's – yeah, so we had it all covered, bud. We had it all covered. Um, now, okay. now, Steve, if, you know, for those that don't know, like Panger, well, I love golf. Yes. Panger is totally addicted to it. So we've been on a few golf trips together, and uh-huh. um, we have we have some attention issues, and we have some, <laughs> I would say, some focus issues. So on this one of the golf trips, they they started calling us Harry and Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. We missed right. the tee time. Panger, how, 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 how did we miss the tee time, would you say? Well, we were, we were very close to the course, although we were practicing hitting balls, took a wrong turn, ended up somewhere else, while the course was about 15 yards to our left. Did you mean that one? <laughs> That's the one. We went right, and then I zip around. I'm like, oh, my God, we're in the... Yeah. We're in the construction sheds here. This is not right. right. right, right. So I, I pull a U-turn. We're going there. Now, we're partners in this tournament uh, on the golf trip. And uh-huh. so you'd think we'd be ready. Yeah. So I park. I, I go, you know those little curbs, like the little parking curbs? Yeah. I think I'm past one. I ended up driving over top of one. I've got a <laughs> rental car. Things a mess. We run out. We get to the tee, and the guys are waiting, and there's, of course, groups waiting behind us. So we got to get to the tee and hit. Uh-huh. The other guys are warmed up and ready to go. We've been driving around in our car for 10 minutes. And we get to the tee. I don't have a glove. Panger doesn't have a ball. <laughs> oh, geez. It's just, it's just a disaster. <laughs> it is a 
train wreck. And we're going to Ireland this year, and we can't wait. Oh, now, how do you, a couple of big wheels like you guys, how do you get on Augusta? How does that happen? I know the media gets a game. Um, is that something where either one of you can try to tag on? Or how do you play Augusta if you're a golfer? Well, I, I actually um, missed my a golden opportunity, and, and I I was talking about it yesterday. And, and uh, when Steve Eisman was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2009, my wife and I were there, and uh, afterwards we're having dinner with he and Lisa, and he said, he just kind of pops it over to me and goes, hey, listen, I just got surprised by a, a gift, a friend of mine from Detroit, and uh, he knows you and I like to golf. He says, my gift is that you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to come with me and play Augusta. Oh, wow. And I just yeah. was like, wow. And uh, so he said, the only problem is there, there's, it's, it's this date and it's not negotiable right now. So, so I look at it, I had just joined the St. Louis blues and uh, um, sure enough, it's, it's wedged right in between two, you know, significantly big games for the blues. And I'm a first year broadcaster there <laughs> and John Davidson's our president. And, uh, and I'm looking like, I'm telling him once and I'm like, Hey, I got this chance to go with Steve and uh-huh. crickets. Uh, then I I say it again, and I'm like, hey, I'm trying to get my. I'm, I even looked into my own plane. Like I, I I was like I was beside myself that I couldn't get there, and and at the end, crickets again, no help whatsoever. I mean, like I don't even remember the other game. Like that's how important it was <laughs> in the in the walk of life. How important was it? I should have just gone to Augusta with Steve, uh, and instead he. Uh, he takes our other good buddy, Steve Thomas. So he and Stump went and played for a day and a half, and, and I got the nine of hearts. Oh, Hopefully someday we'll be able to do that. But I, oh, I don't think I, we're isn't it amazing, though, watching that? Just even watching it, like how beautiful it is. And you, I mean, we've all watched it for so many years, and you're like, you can picture yourself in a certain spot. And, oh, I just, I, I would, like everybody, I guess, I would do just about every anything to to get a chance to play there. It's just, oh, I love it. So great. Yeah. Hey, did you by any chance, guys, see that, that uh, an original, uh, authentic uh, master's jacket was bought in Toronto at some, you know, Goodwill store or what kind of store? Really? $5. Whoa. And, and, and it sold for $146,000 yesterday in an auction. Oh, wow. Whose was How it? Do you can, like that? Can, can they track it, track it down to whose who's it was? I think they can. I, I just was whipping through Twitter yeah, okay. with my great yeah. attention. My attention span is just so wonderful. I, I buzzed through it, and I thought. Was that in the third and, period you were doing that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was while Tarasenko had the puck on his stick, off his stick, and in the top corner. Yeah. I was able to read that, barely. I will tell you this. Here's one other thing about about. So Panger has got this fabulous energy. Anyone that's been yes, around him, right. Panger's, you know, Panger's Panger. So <laughs> there's been a few, there's been a few games. I'd say four or five. Panger and I have actually worked between the benches together. <laughs> and there is how anything gets on the air is astounding because we go there, we're talking about golf, and all of a sudden the puck gets dropped, and then we're. Look, I'm looking at his notes. He's got nothing written down. I'm like, what's happening? He's, oh, yeah, I know. And then he looks over at my team. I got nothing written down over there. <laughs> it's pandemonium in there. With two shortest guys, yeah. it's pandemonium. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, um, October- if, I, if I had more games with you, Ray, I would miss opens because I was with between the benches this year, and I was between the benches with uh, Gary Galley. He was doing a hockey night game. Mm-hmm. And because it was a Canadian game, the, the the anthems are earlier. Everything's kind of earlier, so I was a little off my clock a little bit. And 
And uh, so I've got my headset off. I've got my, you know, my phone's there, but it's upside down. And my producer's trying to get a hold of me. I look down <laughs> at my monitor, and I see John Kelly, my play-by-play guy. I'm like, that's odd, Gary. I said, he never rehearses. Yeah, he went through the whole open without me. <laughs> oh, jeez. Because I was... I was talking to Gary Galley the whole time. Oh, oh boy. And, um, and Panger, I've got I've got one of those. I was sitting in the media room in Toronto and <laughs> having having a coffee between periods and I look up and I see Chris Cuthbert's on the screen. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what's he doing? Oh man, if he's there, I shouldn't be That's here. That's not good, right? That's and not so good. Now we're between the benches. There is no way to get there. So I gotta run up the tunnel. All the leafs are on the bench. And so I'm walking, excuse me, pardon me, but Randy Carlisle's coach, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, sorry. So I walk by there, and I get down to the end, and Bozak is, Tyler Bozak is like, where have you been? You know, like, why, why are you, the period was starting. And they had the camera on me climbing into the bench, and uh, oh, like just, an idiot. Just a mess, just a, a mess. Um, is there, are you sometimes between the benches with people that um, – Let's say you don't favor um, guys that you. Well, that happens. You know, that happens. Yeah. So is, is it get weird or is it just whatever? You just don't talk during stoppages. You just never speak. Never. No. Well, sure. That yeah. Would be like, exactly what it. I mean. I mean, it's, it's like any line of work. No, I know. Right. Don't yeah. Like as much as others, and yeah. if you got nothing to say. You just got to keep your headset on and. Okay. Yeah. I'm. I'm a big Twitter scanner. Uh, yep. During during break. You are and, during the game. You are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, sure. oh yeah, he he hits people right back if if they, if they chirp him, Panger. He's Yeah. I, I, I don't know if do that's that really a good I, strategy, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't you know, do that. I I, leave, I I do leave mine alone. That's the one thing that I do between the benches. I just I, I and I just found that in, even when I was doing that uh, you know, national stuff there on on Sportsnet for a couple of years, during the Canadian games, uh the guys like uh, Kipper and these guys—they they, want—they want to look at Twitter. I, I'm—I was thinking then it just—it can influence the way you're thinking, and especially in Canada when they're just so yeah. high octane on everything. It's just—you've done it for years, Ray, and and I've jumped in there every Wednesdays and have done it for for years. But it's—I finally start stopped doing it. I finally said, off. Oh, it's just too much, too aggravating. Oh, Panger, I—I I, uh, I made a comment to Ray on, on, on from the Paul Pocky Twitter about how the, on the. Oh least. yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and Ray just gets ripped in, and I'm just my wife is like. Oh my! I'm like, yeah, that's what these guys put up with all the time. Like, there's the, the crazy part is people think, you know, like so. Steve, Steve and I have been joking on this podcast for months. He's a huge, huge Leaf fan. Like, crazy. He thinks right. he thinks Wendell Clark should be in the Hall of Fame. Right? I do, He's Panger. That much yeah. of a Leaf fan. He should be. He should be. It's a joke. And, and so, you know, he he says, "Oh, we did it." So, you know, of course, I just answer, "What'd you do? Watch." Well, these people are like. Man, we love the team. You don't understand. I'm like, man, it's just busting a buddy. Like, right, like, <laughs> calm man. down. God, these people. Oh, um, it is what it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, October 15th, 1988, Ray, I have done the research as far as I can tell. That was the date. 7-5 win by the Whale. Uh, and you got a goal against Darren Pang. Um. <laughs> Well, if there were seven on done, the board, Ray. I'd like to think I was involved somewhere. Somewhere, right, right. Seven, seven, five win. Good old days but, but of that NHL. That would have been a Mike Keenan special, I assume, right? Mike Keenan just took over the Chicago Blackhawks, and yes, and uh, he wanted Ron Hextall. He wanted somebody big and strong that would fight everybody. So you can imagine that I kind of didn't fit in there very well. <laughs> you so, must have walked through the door. He's like, "Oh my God, what's going yeah, on here? Yeah. You're, you're my goalie." Yeah, and, 
in the summertime when he saw me at the uh, at the NHL awards, I was I was given that uh, all rookie team. You know, you get all kinds of nice stuff. From, I was on the all rookie team mm-hmm. the year before, and and he meets me and he shakes my hands and he he's just I mean he's just pumped up. He thinks I'm great. I get a letter in the off season. I can't wait to work with you. You know, you're going to play 65 games. You're my number one goalie. I get to training camp, and I'm telling you, you I, I, I didn't exist anywhere. <laughs> and the first first game I played with Mike, uh, he waited for the first one. Jimmy Waite played the first game against the Rangers, played really well. Second game, I go into he, – he had this all planned. He is He's a conniving, smart guy when it comes to this because he, he wanted to tell the hockey world that I was not going to be the goalie for him. Starts me at Hockey Night in Canada, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And the game's a tight game. It's 3-2. It's 3-3. It's, you know, whatever. It's 4-3 in the third. But it's back and forth. You know, that, that era of chances. And I, I feel like I'm kind of got some traction going on. Mm-hmm. We take a penalty. They take another penalty. They're on a five-on-three, and we're trailing 4-3. He pulls me. <laughs> so he puts in Jimmy Waite, who, by the way, Jimmy Waite, you remember when the, the visitors, uh, you had to come in behind the net? where the Zamboni was yes, of in, course. in Maple Leaf Gardens. So he had to open up that big door to get to get out. Uh, Jimmy Waite had come to the bench as a 19-year-old. He forgot his sticks. So, <laughs> so we're in the third period, down by two men, doesn't have, any, doesn't have any goalie sticks. The trainer's running over there, and our trainer was about 380, running back there to the room, wheels back there. They open up the door. There's a little delay. He pretends like he's stretching. They hand him a stick. <laughs> he goes in the net. He gives up a goal. Now it's 5 three. Puts me back in. It's 5-3. I hold the fort, 5-3. Mm-hmm. Pulls me again. At, at the end of the game, he's like, well, we got goaltending issues. Look at our save percentage. Oh, my goodness. So so I'm leading to your game there, right? The next yep. day or the day after that, I threw a couple of hard balls in the paper. Bad call by me. Bad oh, call. yeah. Like the headlines were like, Bang throws first. Bat, first fastball to Mike Keenan's head, or it was something like that. Yeah. I, oh, you were going to uh, show him, eh? <laughs> oh, I was going to show him really, really well. So we go into Hartford, and we're actually leading. We lost seven five that game. We're leading one nothing. And after the first period, you guys had a few shots on me, and I'm feeling really good now. Like I'm feeling like I just shoved it right up his rear end. I'm feeling good about this. Okay, I give up seven the rest of the way, including the one that you know you scored, and lose seven to five. Oh boy, was I humbled again. So I got a note after that from uh, Wayne Thomas, who was my goalie coach my first year. And all he said to me was it was a voicemail keep your mouth shut and stop the effing puck. Oh, geez. <laughs> that was it. I'm like, okie doke. I better, I better get back to work here. So, Ray, thanks now, for so that. Were, you're, were you ever, yeah. you're responsible like, did, for it. Did you ever repair that, or was it just done? Oh no! I think I grunted through it. To be honest with you, I think I, I uh, you know, I, I knew I wasn't his guy, but um, it was my biggest test of hockey in my life. I'd never faced that kind of adversity. I was always a number one goalie from the time I was six to the time I was in the NHL. I was never a backup, and now I was kind of that. I was in, I was out, I was getting pulled. I had to really, I was really challenged mentally. I wasn't having any fun. I'll tell you that much. But, but did we repair it? Um, Socially, you know, we did. Um, Wayne Gretzky invited him to his uh, nationwide tournament um, years ago, and it was up in Collingwood, Ontario. And Mike has a lake place in, on, on uh, 
right on uh, on the lake right there. And he and, and Wayne's like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna invite Mike Keenan. And I said, wow, that's a shocker, man. You guys haven't yeah. spoken in years. And he goes, you know what? I'm getting old. He says, this is stupid. I'm gonna invite Mike and just reach out and you know whatever. So I'm like, well, Wayne Gretzky's gonna reach out. So we all drank a bunch of beers and had some laughs and. I asked him many times, why'd you, why'd you do that? Why do you do that to guys? Like, yeah. oh, because you were good. You could handle it. You know, those answers are always classics when you're at the end of it. I'm like, I never heard that when, when I was there in the room, like fighting and battling, <laughs> but I'm hearing it now while we're having 19 beers. Oh, well. Yeah, it's great to know when you're 40. That's, that's yeah. not helping you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but all good. My, my career ended for the better, and I, I got into better things, and I got to tell whole bunch of people a lot of stories about mike keenan so it yeah. wasn't that bad Banger. so now okay so we're going to jump into the playoffs here you're doing the blues and um i think like you know i thought this um as they got to the trade deadline they'd, they'd made the change to mike Yo from ken hitchcock and it seemed to be like a more aggressive style that the guys seemed to welcome but then they had to move kevin shattenkirk and i thought well they're they're not it doesn't look like they feel the same about their team as they did last year when they held on to Bacchus and Brower, you know, cause they mm-hmm. obviously felt they had a legit Stanley cup chance yet. The team has played incredibly well. Um, maybe, maybe tell us a bit about what you see on a daily basis there and why they've played so well. You know, if the blues at the trade deadline, we're rolling like mini or, or Chicago or Washington or Pittsburgh. Then, then, then to me, Doug Armstrong was not making any kind of move. You know, he was going to add, um, at that point, they were, I think just under the eighth card, they were just, they were hovering between, you know, nine and eight and they had no traction whatsoever. And that's how he, that's how he, he looked at it and said, you know what, last year, no one talked about David Backus and Brower because we were, we were humming. We were one of the best teams in the NHL. And why was I going to, lose one of those two players and go out and trade for another rental player. Those are my rental players. And I'm hoping that I can sign at least one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I think, I think at that point he was frustrated with the way the players were playing. I think he was frustrated with the fact that he had to fire hitch. It was a, a situation that he, he never thought he was going to be in. Um, but he tried making deals. He tried trading Shattenkirk. He tried making other moves. I think it just came down to, I can't make a big trade. I can't, I, you know, I can't make that move at that time. There was, the packages were there, and we, it's been well talked about with Tampa Bay or other teams with Shattenkirk. And, and then the team wasn't responding. The losses were, the losses were not very good. They, they would just would go away without a fight uh, with any adversity. So, you know, we called them independent along. contractors. Sorry, Panger. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, absolutely. When he fired Hitch, and that, that's when he put the onus right on the players. He went into that room and, and he really, I mean, he really gave it to these players, uh, and uh, and and was was tired about you know some of the demeanor of the players when they'd win a game. Uh, he said it was he was frustrated when he'd see a, a group of players when they won and they didn't get some points that they weren't happy. If they lost and they got their points, they were happy. So, you know, he he, he made a pretty stern uh, and bold um, statement to these players and the first game after Shattenkirk, they went into Winnipeg and they were really lethargic. I was really worried. I thought, you know what, this is, this could go the other way in a hurry. Um, and then the next practice I saw Mike Yo um, work on the defensive zone coverage and he worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. And the next game, you know, they had, they, they really defended well. 
Um, Ray, you and I talk an awful lot about hockey. We all have different philosophies on what works and doesn't work. I felt, and I said this to you, I felt for a really good team, the Blues didn't defend well enough. They didn't defend through the neutral zone. They didn't close gaps well enough. Um, I hate it when my defenseman's rear end is right in my face. I mean, what goalie's going to perform well when that happens and the attack's coming at you and the speed's coming at you? And, uh, you know, when I watched Mike Yo and Rick Wilson work on gap closure and do these drills in practice, I'm telling you, I sat up in the stands, Ray. I was the happiest camper in the world. And I just it was said, that to obvious? Like I said, oh, it was that obvious. I mean, so how did it get in my so, eyes. so Panger? So explain to me then. So Hitch has always had this reputation as his teams defend well, but did they just get away from what they had done before, or was it Jake Allen got? I mean, he was the worst goalie in the league, and then he wasn't. He was, you know, almost the best. Does it all work hand in hand? I think it does. I think I think the Blues, and if Hitch gets another job here shortly, I think he's going to look back at about a two-month period where the discussions in the room against a team like Chicago, he wanted to go man-on-man in their own zone. They never had the conviction, or he didn't have the conviction, to get back into the zone defense. The players were, were they, they weren't being sold what he was good at selling. The reason, you know, for me, when he came on board, he established a work ethic. He established backside pressure like you read about. The forwards had to work so, so hard. But in the meantime, the D always relied on that. And so when that happened, the D are backing off the line, and, and, and now your forwards have kind of checked out, if you know what I mean. They, they, that same voice behind the bench and that same selling, and they, they were checking out. They, they weren't coming back as hard. There was no backside pressure. Now the D have backed off the line. Now your gap is 900 yards wide. Like, it just wasn't working. So, um, you know, so to me, practice habits were creeping into the game habits. They, they were doing the same thing. They were stagnant. The D were standing still. And now I, I'm watching practices, and, and the D are told to get up the ice to, to make sure your closing gap's coming back. And all the drills were tighter. And, I, you know, I, the first couple of games, Ray, I said, this is going to be good. And the goalies are going to have a very fun time now because all the shots are going to be on the outside. The D are going to be trust, trusting the forwards a little bit more. The goalie's going to trust the D. And, and it's, it's really worked that way. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's night and day the way that they're playing. It's night and day the way that Marty Berdur has been coaching the goaltenders. But uh, I give a lot of credit to, to Mike Yo. And the players are having fun. They 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 want to go to the rink. Um, it's not like Mike's an easy guy and it's all loose. He's a he's a really he's a, he's a just talks hockey. He doesn't have a whole bunch of fancy words. He just talks hockey, and I think the players have responded to that. Uh, last question about the Blues. Then, so now they go into a series against a team that's kind of stumbled around. And last season, that was Mike Yo's team. Mike Yo was fired midway through the year, and they got the Minnesota got into the playoffs. How will or what will change, if anything, for Mike coaching against his former team? Because he comes off in the media most times, I would say, and when we talk to him, he's a, he's a terrific guy to talk to. He's, he's upbeat, he talks a lot, but he's, he's got some marks on his faces from not being the prettiest player of all time. Like, he was a tough <laughs> dude. So, like, how does, how does he rein in his competitiveness? Or how does he coach his team against the team he knows so well? 
Well, I think that he's obviously humbled by what happened in, in many. But th- this is one area that, that Doug Armstrong said when he hired Mike Yo, and I, I'd ask him, I said, what, what do you see in Mike? And he said, I see a young Dave Tippett. I see a young, you know, I, see, I look at all the coaches that have had uh, one kick at it with a, with a team and have had success and then got fired. Maybe the Claude Julians. I mean, you can go down the list. There's a mm-hmm. million coaches that have been through this. And he said, I just see a guy that, uh, you know, that is even keeled enough to, uh, to, to bring us to that next level. I, going into Minnesota, you know, there, you know, I think it's well known that there are some players on Minnesota that uh, I'm not saying threw him under the bus, but I think that um, that's where things fell apart. His, some of his main guys there um, weren't backing him. And, uh, and so now he goes into that environment. And I think because he's gone there and played games, and uh, has had a, had a chance as an assistant under Hitch to go in there the first time around. Um, that was good for him because the next time around, then he, then he had a chance to be the head coach and go in there, and it was almost like he'd done it 100 times. So I think his experience is going to be fine for him going into this. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I, at the same time, I, I, I think there's still going to be some pressure on him heading in there just on himself. You know, because he was there before, and it's different now. It's every other day that you're playing that team, and the scrutiny and the magnifying glass is going to be on you. But you know, you've you've dealt with him after after just listening to him. I just think he's a a former player that was a a grunt player, as you said. He's got some marks. He's got some marks. He was a little bit of a scrapper when he played and couldn't get to the NHL as a player. But I think he's he's seen a lot of. adversity in players in handling things, and even how this team handled Hitchcock and how their demeanor was when things weren't going well. And uh, so I, I think he's just put that into a little briefcase of his and hopefully he can pull out some experiences and, and get through this one. Who's got more pressure, Minnesota or, or St. Louis? Um, Minnesota, I think Minnesota does. Yeah, the way they finished and the way yeah. you know, the first rounds yeah, have gone so. for like, Bruce Boudreaux, perhaps? I, I, I totally agree. I, and, I, and I think there's no question in goal for, for St. Louis right now. And uh, down the stretch, there's been some question in the way that Minnie's defended and some of the goals that they've given up. Um, you know, I, I've got a lot. Of, I mean, I, I really think highly of Devin Dubnik. And, I, I, you know, I think it's, it's imperative that the Blues get on him right away because I think when he gets going, he, he can create quite an aura. Uh, he can quite, create quite a shield that uh, hey, nothing's going to get by him, and we've seen that during the year. So I think it's imperative that the Blues get on him right away and see if there's any chink in the armor, to be quite honest with you. Do you see any first-round upsets? Any big ones? Yeah, because, I mean, St. Louis and Mini wouldn't be an upset. Huh? You would, no, no, I, I, mean, most, so. I um, see most of the series, Panger. Aren't, you kind of look yeah. at them and go, oh, my God, like you could pick them, or I could make a case for them, too. But do you, yeah, I, I, do you see I anyone that can bite a lower seed? Well, I mean, Toronto and Washington's interesting. All, all the pressure's on, on the Washington Capitals. Oh, yeah. Got them right where we want I them. Mean, yeah. Oh, no, you, you do. You, you, oh, you wouldn't yeah. have wanted to play Ottawa? No, 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 no. no of course not. <laughs> you knucklehead. I, I just, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Toronto comes out and with Freddie Anderson. I don't think they're deep. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's strong enough to withstand a seven-game series against a team like Washington, but who the heck knows? But in the in the West, in the West, I, oh boy, I I don't see anything as any kind of upset. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise meaning, me. Meaning anybody could beat anybody. You're saying absolutely. I, yeah. Listen, Nashville can beat Chicago. Like if yeah, yeah if I agree. St. Louis yep. or Calgary, you know, if Calgary was going to play Chicago, I would say it heavily favors Chicago. 
That would be my opinion. I don't know why I say that. Mm-hmm. But if, if Nashville, I mean, that central division, I mean, it's been a battle for years. I mean, they're they're used to playing 2-1 games and one nothing games, and especially with Laviolette in the way that he can be, get a really aggressive and in the neutral zone, and he can surprise some teams. Now, you know, when their timing's off a little bit, a team like Chicago can expose that timing of their pinches, especially in the neutral zone. But, man, if Nashville's on and, and all the timing's right, holy smokes, man, they can bury you. Well, I, I watched um, – uh, I had a Nashville game late in the year. They'd been, they'd been playing pretty well. They came home, they played Toronto, and they were flat. Like, they just didn't have it. And then in the third period, they got going a bit, and it was like – they were like two completely different teams. And I'm like, oh, I can see why Nashville's dangerous. And mm-hmm. then last week, I had Washington-Toronto – and Toronto would play the night before. So, of course, the playoffs, we lose all that stuff. Everybody's traveling the same, and there's no tired team. But it was an absolute lesson. Like, mm-hmm. the Capitals just laid uh, a 60-minute lesson on them. And the defense is what concerns me, um, in particular, if Zaitsev can't play. I mean, now, now, they're, mm-hmm. now they're in a huge hole. And I, I haven't heard, as of we're taping this, what the – you know, not that we're going to yeah. hear anything, but he's either going to play or he's not, and we're not going to hear anything until he comes on the ice or doesn't. But they're they're pretty thin back there for sure. So you don't think that that shellacking that Washington gave them doesn't, uh, you know, uh, I, I know humble a team, but get them even like more prepared because that's what we're up against. This is what we're up against. Holy smokes, we better get our A plus plus game going. Every single one of them. Well, I I think it does, and I think that, I mean you know I mean. Bab Babcock will have them as prepared as they can be, but to me it looked like a little bit, um, you know, like the, the, the there's an old uh, Charlie Brown thing when he was he said I had a no hitter till the big kids got out of school. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it looks like to that's what it looked like. All those young guys they really looked young. I mean they're amazing yeah. players to watch. But they really oh, look. They are. And I would say that would be that would be a colossal upset because I I I I don't know, Panger, you maybe tell me if I'm out to lunch here, but I think Washington's got enough enough skin built up here. They've lost enough. They're deep enough. They're fast enough. They're skilled enough. They got a good enough goalie. Um, I think he's really good. But yeah. I think they've built up enough, you know, enough backbone. That they're not going to, they, they won't fritter this away. No, me too. I I, I don't think they'll get uh, uh, frazzled whatsoever. I I, I think the, the experience that they gained last year and having like the, the the Justin Williams effect is an important effect on that club, in my opinion. Um, watching, they haven't had to rely on Ovechkin. It's not been a one one man wrecking crew whatsoever, and. It's almost like if he scores, well, that's what that's a, that's a bonus. They're getting offense from all over. They have the best fourth line in hockey, in Winnick, Beagle, and uh, and Tom Wilson. There's no fourth line that matches up with that. They can put that fourth line up against the top line of Toronto on every single shift in the defensive zone. That means they're going to allow, you know, Backstrom and Oshie and the boys to to get all the offensive zone candy. That's what's going to be tough for the. Uh, for the Maple Leafs, especially on the road, is, is some of those matchups because of how deep Washington is, in my opinion. Okay, Panger, last thing for me. Um, two coaches have been fired this year um, already after the season. Uh, Lindy Ruff in Dallas, uh, Willie Desjardins just just moments ago in Vancouver. Um, either surprise you, 
either hired by next September? Either hired by next September? I don't yeah. think Willie. Um, um, I do think Lindy, and I, I think he ends up in Las Vegas. Um, I think there's a relationship there with George um, through some Hockey Canada stuff, through general managers talking, through the, you know, it's a 31 uh, member country club, and they, they, they all think highly of, uh, of Lindy. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I think that, uh, let me, you know, you look at, I don't know, you look at some of the other guys that are, that are sitting there. Um, so much talk about Ken Hitchcock going back to Dallas. Yep. Um, I, boy, I know he's got a, a great relationship with the owner right there. And I think the owner kind of has called on him and leaned on him for just some advice along the way. Um, I know Hitch wants to get right back into it. I, you know, that's a, that's a tough one for me. I, the, the goaltending issue in Dallas is a number one, and if they had a goaltender with some aura about them, then they wouldn't be in this pickle that they're in right now. And maybe Lindy Ruff signed that extension that he was offered early in the year. So, um, my but goodness, if, but if he's going to Vegas, I think the first discussion is please don't draft either of these two guys. <laughs> yeah, I, it just hasn't. He was it hasn't worked. Yeah. Oh, it just it just yeah. hasn't worked. But it's interesting, isn't it? You know, like now the. You know, there's there's some qualified people, experienced guys. Uh, Gerard Gallant, you mentioned Hitch. Um, you know, and and now you've got Lindy Ruff out there, and these are guys that would that would be high profile hires. Um, uh, and now, of course, it was announced today that Dale Talon's taking over again. You should have never not been taking yeah. over, but yeah. but he's exactly taking right. over again in Florida. So they need a coach too, and. You wonder if one of these <clears throat> higher-profile names will will end up back there too. Well, maybe Gerard ends up back there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, would that, yeah. Oh boy, that would be phenomenal, wouldn't it? Uh, like just just I mean, the, however the road drives around in circles, and you end up back right where you started. <laughs> you know, there's some other. I mean, there's so many other coaches that are qualified that have had great years. Uh, I go back to uh, you know Kirk Muller went back to Montreal as an associate coach. Uh, you know, he was knocking on the door and had a great couple of years in St. Louis. And, um, you know, maybe his name resurfaces. And, and maybe Dallas, like, takes a look at a guy like Kirk as well after, after you know, the Canadians are, are out of it. But uh, we have a guy in St. Louis that's running the minor league team uh, that has had a heck of a year. And our players are raving about, about him again, and that's Craig Berube. Um, I know that, you know, Colorado really wanted him um, and asked for permission um, before they hired Jared Bednar, uh, but uh, the Blues had already established him as a, the coach in the American League. They needed to fix that American League. They had a conversation, from my understanding, that Craig said, hey, I totally understand. I'm committed here, and I'm going to stay here with the Wolves, and, and we'll have a great year and see what happens after this. But, you know, there are you know, so many guys out there that, that are under the radar, too, that are still very, very qualified NHL coaches. Well, it's funny you bring him up. Um, you know, my son Landon, of course, was there till he got hurt, and uh, he just raved about about Chief and the way he is with the mm-hmm. players and the way he is behind the bench and um, the way he instructs. And and I, I just thought that's that's kind of interesting because the guys loved him in Philly and he got let go, and you know now he's he's in his second place as a head coach and the guys love him there and he's done a good job there again. And you suspect that he'll be he'll move north in some direction, whether it's as an assistant or a head guy again. 
Yeah, I to- I totally agree with you there. I totally agree with you. There. Maybe that maybe your your buddy, the the kid with all kinds of gumption and character. And I got to tell you, I just want to add this because I am uh, I don't know him. I've sent him a, a text message uh, just to wish him well. Uh, but Craig Cunningham, that uh, lived with you, and I know you guys are such good friends. I am. I mean, my goodness, I wake up every day motivated just looking at at what he's gone through and getting on this. He could be a head coach somewhere. Craig, <laughs> Craig will time. be. Uh, Craig oh will be goodness. in the NHL um, in some fa- – I mean, he's 26, right? Yeah. But he will, be, he will be in the NHL as a coach of some kind, whether it's a head coach or an assistant coach, um, within 15 years. You know, he's going to have to learn to coach and all that. But there's something about Craig that people just um, – they just yeah. gravitate to. i got to tell you one quick thing, P- uh, Panger, since you brought him up. So now, you know, you saw the video. He's skating again. and. Mm-hmm. You know, just learning to kind of manipulate life with a with a prosthetic foot, and uh, he said, you know, it's really difficult to control your ankle because you don't you don't feel it. And so mm-hmm. we're talking about that, and he said, yeah, but uh, you know, I'm going to skate a little bit. And I said, well, good. When Landon gets back on the ice to, you know, to start training again, you know, he's doing his rehab. I said, you two clowns can come on the ice and screw up the drills like you did 15 years ago because <laughs> neither of them listened. They were always shooting pucks off the glass, no matter where, where the right. hell they were. And so, Craig will be doing the same thing. He's just a, he's an awesome guy. He's got you know what, Panger? He's got some of you in him that everybody's around him. They just he talks like crazy. He's happy. He's a, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be a coach for sure. That's great to hear. That's wonderful to hear. I can't wait. One day we're gonna get together, Ray, and we're gonna get together with him. I want to meet him and I want to have a nice cold beer with this guy because he. He just, uh, I just think the world of everything that he's gone through and how he's handled it because it's a lesson in life for everybody else that's having a bad day. So good stuff. Well, Panger, I hope I run across you in the playoffs here pretty quick, and um, that would be awesome, and you can take me out for dinner. And, you know. <laughs> there we Sounds go. good. I'll pay again. Well, What's wait a schedule? minute. No, wait a minute, Ray. You, 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 you helped. You, you, you added to his personal hell with Keenan in that 7-5 game. So maybe, Ray, you should buy. No, actually, where I add to his personal hell is when I'm driving a car and he's in it, and we got to get to a tea time. That is Panger's personal. <laughs> there <hell>. we go. <laughs> it's a good point, but I can't wait for Ireland, pal. Can't wait. Oh boy, let us get there quick. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, uh, thanks, Darren. Thank you for coming on the uh, Paul Pocky podcast with uh, Ray Ferraro, and uh, have fun covering that series, man. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you having me on the program. Wow, there we go, Ray. You like my point that I uh, I dug up about you scoring on Panger seven five? Yeah, I didn't know. You know, like he said, some guy comes up with a list. Like, how'd you like that? How about get a goalie a list of the saves he made? I know, right? Like that yeah. a little better. I know. I can't believe it. Oh well, that's good. Good guy though. Uh, uh, funny. I got a feeling you two could talk golf for the next hour. Probably. Yes, so. we do. Um, right. We do uh, enjoy our golf chat. No doubt. Well, hey, uh, all right. So we got your first round predictions. Um, you and Gordon Miller doing the uh, Rangers Hab series for uh, NBC Sports. That's going to be great. And uh, yeah, we'll I'm be back. Forward to it. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, and so we're going to hit back next week and uh, see how we're doing the series and talk a little bit more in depth about that and uh, everything else. So thanks to Darren Pang, and most of all, thank you, Ray. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks everybody for listening. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, best time of the year. I hope everybody enjoys cheering for their team, and I uh, hope the hockey's as good as we all think it's going to be. Thanks for listening, and um, write a review. Let us know what you think, and uh, send us some questions, and we'll get to uh, another episode next week. Perfect. Thanks, Ray.